Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Greetings, everyone. I am back in my original recording studio in my closet. I think my experiment last week of trying to record someplace more comfortable did not work out. Um, It wasn't so much the echoing. It was more that it's just not insulated enough. And I think one of the dogs body slammed the door a couple minutes in and I could hear barking and it it just wasn't, wasn't quite quiet enough. So we're back. All right. So today's topic is kind of an interesting one for me. I'm lucky enough that this isn't something that's a big issue for me, but as we get into the holidays, it's pretty timely. Well, actually, since I'm recording a few weeks ahead of time, as this is airing, it's a week before Christmas. So for those of you who participate in some sort of gift giving around this time of year, you're right in the thick of it now. But for me, as I'm recording this, my email inbox is just bombarded with ads, and that's what made me think of scarcity. So scarcity is exactly what it sounds like, feeling like there isn't enough of something. It can be something that bothers you as a chronic fear. There are people who chronically struggle with scarcity for one or more particular things. Time scarcity and money scarcity are pretty common ones. Scarcity can also be a tactic that's used by someone to try and make you feel a sense of urgency about something. People selling things love scarcity. And that's what brought the topic to mind for me today, all the Black Friday sales that are going on right now as I'm writing and recording this episode. So let's take that type of scarcity first. I think we're all familiar with this in terms of companies selling goods and services, right? Act now, hurry, offer in soon, limited edition, buy it now before they're all gone. When you hear things like this in an ad, The company or seller is trying to activate scarcity in you to make you feel an urgent need to buy whatever they're selling. If you remember, one of the basic tenets of understanding your thinking cycle is the only reason we want anything is because of how we think it's going to make us feel. So with that in mind, it can kind of explain why we might want the things they're selling. We think they'll somehow make us happy. But that's just selling in general. When they use scarcity, they're adding another layer. If we boil down the original thinking cycle without the scarcity to the most basic terms, it would go something like this. You have a thought of, that thing will make me happy, which would trigger a feeling of desire, which would lead to actions designed to obtain the thing. But by adding scarcity, they're essentially flipping it around. When they tell you this thing is going to be unobtainable if you delay, your thinking cycle now looks something like this. I can't be happy unless I have that thing, which makes you feel sort of desperate, which leads to actions that may be more impulsive and rash than you would otherwise do, because desperation is a powerful feeling. Now, if you've ever been suckered by a scarcity ploy and bought something that you really didn't want that much, don't worry, you're not alone. Happens to all of us. But this isn't just about buying things. People employ scarcity in many aspects of life. How does it manifest in academic medicine? Well, heck, the match is a perfect example. There are only a certain number of residency spots in a given specialty in a given city. For various reasons, some are more desirable to certain people than others. 
If you're a medical student who is, say, a borderline candidate for matching in your desired specialty, you would almost definitely feel scarcity about the number of residency spots that you think are within your reach academically. Add in the crushing student loan debt that most fourth-year students have accumulated and the prospect of what would happen if someone is unable to secure a residency position. Well, you can definitely understand why so many fourth-year students are applying to staggering numbers of programs because of this feeling of scarcity. I'm sure if you stop and spend a minute or two thinking about it, you can come up with plenty of other examples too. Well, how about the other type, the chronic scarcity struggles? Like I mentioned before, time and money are pretty big ones. I'm lucky enough that I don't typically feel scarcity about either of those. Occasionally, I'll have time scarcity if I have competing deadlines and didn't budget my time quite right, or if there are deadlines and I get caught up putting out fires instead of attending to the tasks that I had originally allocated my time for. But again, I'm lucky that that's an occasional thing and not a chronic struggle. I do have scarcity about sleep, which makes my career choice pretty questionable. Although I think the sleep scarcity actually developed in response to years and years of sleepless nights. I don't think I always had it. I think after about a couple hundred sleepless nights and feeling crappy the next day, that's probably what made me start guarding sleep as a precious and finite resource. But anyway, how does this type of scarcity manifest in academic medicine? For example, it happens whenever you assign an inflated worth to a career goal for one thing. X position is the only way I can get to Y goal and there's only one position X, so if I don't get it, I'll never have the career I want. When thinking about this type of scarcity, on the surface, it might seem like this is just a fact and there isn't any other reasonable way to look at things. You might be thinking, no, really, if I want to be the vice chair for education, I first need to be the program director, and to be the program director, I first need to be the clerkship director, and everyone knows that's the only pathway. It might even be written down in your department that that's the pathway. It might seem like having scarcity about this is a good thing. If you value something, you guard and protect it. But that's just the thing. That's what you do when you value something or when you respect it. It's not what you do when you're feeling scarce about it. When you're feeling scarcity, you will drastically inflate the importance of something or the importance of having it right now and it will lead you to undesired actions and results. Think about money scarcity and someone who chronically struggles with this. The basic thought at the heart of things is something like, I'll never have enough money to enjoy things, which makes them feel obsessed with saving, which leads them to squirrel it all away and to agonize over non-essential purchases and spend way too much time bargain shopping to the point that it becomes a total preoccupation and the result is that they definitely do not ever enjoy the things that they wanted to. And time scarcity. I know lots of us have had encounters with this, even if it's not a chronic issue. You think, I have so much to do, I'll never be able to get it done, which makes you feel panicked, which then leads to paralysis, where you're spinning out in your head about how much time each task will take and which order you should do them in and which one is the most important and what will happen if you don't get everything done. And in the end, you do have less time to get your stuff done because you wasted a lot of it. Okay, so now that we understand why scarcity isn't a good thing, how do we combat it? Change the way you think, of course. 
But these types of situations aren't usually the kind that lend themselves well to stepping stone progressions. Yes, that strategy could work, but it might not be the best way. When we're dealing with something that evokes a really powerful emotion, which is what scarcity is all about, we need to figure out how to turn down the volume on that powerful emotion and swap it out for one that we like better. Let's go back to the Black Friday sales example for a minute, just to keep things simple. Black Friday ads generally have no influence on me. Why? Well, I wish I could say it's because of all the great thought work I've done, but no, it's just sort of luck. First, I hate stuff in my house. Having extra junk around that no one really wants or uses makes me feel claustrophobic. Second and third, smaller factors now that online shopping is readily available for just about everything, but still relevant sometimes. I also hate being in crowds of people, and I hate rude people in crowded parking lots. So again, not really conscious doing on my part. I just sort of lucked out. But the result is, when faced with something like a Black Friday ad, my thought is, well, that's definitely not worth dealing with crowds. Or it's just one more piece of junk to clutter up my house. And either of those thoughts will make me feel dismissive, which then leads to the actions of moving on with my day and not giving it any more thought. Now, the reason that works so well and so easily is that the emotions brought on by my thoughts of all the downsides to buying this thing are so much more powerful than the desire for the thing. There's no contest. So let's use our time scarcity example here. When looking at the original thinking cycle, panic was the dominant emotion. It's a pretty powerful one. It's also an unpleasant one and totally optional. In a situation like this, you could start with trying to figure out a different emotion that you'd rather feel, but I think that starting with the result you want is really more helpful. So our original result was that you have less time than you could have had because you were panicky and wasted a bunch of time just spinning out. The result we're looking for instead would be something like, I got everything done and it felt easy. How do you get to that result? What actions would you have to take? Well, you'd be super organized. You'd prioritize your time to the most time-sensitive tasks first. You'd remove all distractions. The phone would be off, the email shut down, your office door closed. You'd buckle down and just get it done. So what emotion would you need to feel to drive you to those actions? Definitely not panicked, right? How about capable, in control, unstoppable? Take your pick. There's tons of strong, empowering emotions out there. And then the last step is, what would you need to be thinking in order to get to that emotion? And this is where your real work is. Your coach might be able to give you some suggestions, but you're the only person who knows how a particular sentence will feel in your body. You have to think of a couple and try them out. Do a little pretending. Be okay with the idea that you might not get the perfect thought the first try. But when you've got your thought that you think is most likely to give you that strong, empowering emotion, you make sure there is no way you're going to forget it. It goes on a sticky note on your bathroom mirror, 
or maybe on the steering wheel of your car, or on the home screen of your phone, or an alarm on your phone for when you think you'll need a reminder, and you practice thinking it over and over and over until you believe it. All right, my friends, that's enough for today. If you'd like some coaching on the scarcity stories you're telling yourself, come visit me at whitecoatlifecoach.com and schedule a free consult. I'll see you back next time. Speaking of which, the White Coat Life Coach podcast is going on a two-week hiatus for the holidays, so the next podcast will be January 8th. Hard to believe we are that close to the new year. I'm taking this short break in order to relax and spend a little more time with family and friends, and I hope you all do the same. Whether these are holidays that have any personal importance to you or not, it's a good time of year to wind down and reflect. Instead of listening to a coaching podcast, maybe read a book just for enjoyment, or play a board game with some friends, or even just lie around in your pajamas. But if you do want to spend some time with the podcast, here are some of the most downloaded episodes that may be worth a re-listen. Number three, putting your thoughts to work. Number four, redirecting unhelpful thoughts. Number nine, owning your emotions. Number 16, time management. Number 26, confidence, self-confidence, and arrogance. And number 31, the problem with boundaries. And actually, since a lot of family interactions can be a source of stress for many folks around this time of year, this last one might be a good one to give another listen right now. Okay, take care, everyone. I will see you back in 2023. Opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.